Welcome to the Pixels Nink Podcast, episode 297, brought to you by CG Magazine. I'm your host, Lisa Mior, and joining me today, we have a fine panel of experts. At the helm, we have Editor-in-Chief Brendan Fry. Hello there. How are you, Brendan? I'm warm, but good. Are you warm? Yeah, it's warm yeah. in here. You, you should get an air conditioning in here. You can't have air conditioning in an audio room. It doesn't matter. I mean, we, you could you could work your audio magic and erase that no, sound. No, you can't. Right? No. Come on. That's how it works. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. That's exactly how it works. Hey, and we have a couple more panel uh, experts we've got here. We have Jordan Biordi. Yes, the resident uh, sports and Fortnite expert. Uh huh. <laughs> how much Fortnite have you put in today? Oh my God, uh, so much. Well, actually, Just not today. that much. Not that much. Um, because I had to work, so. I haven't had a chance to, but I checked out the uh, week four challenges. Looks like it's a pretty easy week. Nice. And freshly back from Overwatch League finals, uh, we have Alex Handiuk. Hi. How are you doing, Alex? I'm doing great. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little sick, but I'm still excited from that last two weeks of Overwatch goodness. Yeah, so uh, you have done an awesome job reporting on a lot of the things that have happened. So we've got some great interviews and a rundown of the finals and some big things coming uh, already available and coming to cgmagonline.com right now, correct? Yeah, yeah. I, I have a feature on the guy who won the MVP for the finals so or the playoffs, I guess. So that'll be coming Ooh. up soon. So stay That's tuned for that. That's very exciting. Very cool. <laughs> Overwatch All right, guys. Fortnite. <laughs> oh, dear. You're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Actually and that's correct. why we have you on our panel of that's experts. Expert. Make that distinction for us. That he says the things I, that we're all thinking, but you that's know, why I'm the thing. Fortnite expert. I can discern which games are Fortnite and which games aren't Fortnite. Games? Did, are... You remember Jordan when you hated Fortnite? You that was that, like, a, that was the those were the dark ago. times. That wasn't even a month, a month ago. ago. That was like a it few was, weeks ago. I'm pretty sure you had like a five minute rant on why you hated Fortnite, and then the next time we recorded, <laughs> it was like Fortnite is my life. So. It's yes, really those were the dark times before Fortnite. <laughs> you know, if, those were the days. If someone tells you that they can't change, tell them that's bullshit because Jordan changed just like that. You know, it's true. You know Anything what? My possible. my thinking has evolved, and and no person is above that. Beautiful. Okay. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Deep, Jordan. Deep. The more um, you know. The more you know. Okay. Well, um. So, guys, we're gonna make a little bit of a change here, uh, to our format for this yes. snake. So we're going to talk about some bigger issues in the industry and uh, in gaming in general. So we're going to start off today with a look at two big topics. So before the break, we're going to take a look at cons. And just because we're coming off the tail end of uh, San Diego Comic Con, we're coming into PAX West season, Gamescom's coming up, what uh, Tokyo Game Show's coming up, E3 ended like a month ago. Yep, so a lot of big cons. It's, a, it's, it's con season right now. So I think it's, a time, it's time we take a deep dive and actually explore uh, how the, how cons have evolved and where they're going and what does that mean for gamers and P and the industry in general. Mm -hmm. And after the break, we're going to take a look at big patch updates and what those mean to the evolution of video games and uh, a specific focus uh, of taking a look at No Man's Sky because they just got their giant patch update that I know, Jordan, you're super excited to talk about. Yeah, it's been great. Yeah. But you're going to have to wait till after the break because yes. we're going to start with cons. That's fine. We're going to look at, as Alex, Alex, we're going to look at the pros and cons of cons. Yes, I'm glad it made it into the show. This There there were a few takes before this, uh, listeners, and uh, Alex's joke just needed to stay. So we had to work that in. That's fine. That's fine. That's this great. is the best take, though, so don't worry. Yeah, yeah this, is, this right. is it. This is the real shot. This is, this is going to happen. 
and we're going to make it work and it's going to be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I would like to get us started with uh, Brendan, since you have attended cons. Probably right? the most cons out of all of us, I would yeah. say. Uh, yeah. I so how many... Well, let's just start with your E3s. How many E3s have you attended? Oh, like eight? I think eight now. Oh, Are man. you sure this year was eight? Maybe nine. Wasn't this nine? I don't know. I don't know. And Alex, this was your first uh, attend. Well, it, not really a convention, but you haven't. You've attended. You attended uh, Comic Con this year. Yeah, for, I, I, as a I did Comic Con. I've been doing Fan Expo in Toronto for the last five years. Uh, I've been mm-hmm. to New York Comic Con once. I covered it uh, a few years back, and yeah, it's been a, a wide range of cons for sure. Yeah. Jordan, have you done any cons before? Um, not any of the really big ticket ones. I mean, I you like I used to go to Anime North all the time mm-hmm. and uh, Fan Expo. Um, but even with those, I've started to like have kind of a dip off point. Yeah. Um, which I think I will elaborate on a little bit more. I want to I want to save my negativity for after your positivity. <laughs> okay. So why don't we actually take a look before we get started on um how we've seen it kind of grow over the years uh, of those of us who've been you know attending as industry professionals for quite some time um since alex this is your first year attending uh 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 comic toronto comic con and uh i think that was the first one that you did as an industry professional this year what did you yeah did you notice a difference in what it meant to you to be an attending press versus uh just basically an attendee Mm, i it's 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 very similar because Toronto Comic Con is not a big con, but they mm, true, you know yeah. they still get a few guests uh, that, that I was excited about that I got that I got, I got to interview and everything. But mm-hmm. going as a, a member of the press is it's kind of a different feeling where it was still there. Oh, and it absolutely, was still, still a lot of fun. But it was sort of chasing that that story and going back and forth, being like, oh, I have an interview here, I have an interview here. This person said I could come back later, like, and just mm-hmm. sort of doing that. It was it was a fresh perspective for sure. Yeah. It's different because it's work, right? Like when you go to yeah. a con and you're just going there just to like look at cool stuff and you're and you're having a good time. It's almost like it's like it's like a thrilling like uh, you know little outing, right? But then when you actually go there and you have a job to do, like work comes first. It's like any exactly. job. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It changes. It, it definitely changes the atmosphere. So that being said, let's uh, go back to Brendan here. So Brendan, yes, you've been. Let's start with E threes because I think that is the most recognizable of all the like hybrid industry and then public cons because it started off as more of an industry driven event. Okay. Yeah. And then a few, um, they introduced the public, um, in 2000, what year was it? The 17, yeah, 17. No, not. Oh. The, uh, yes. It was introduced last year. Yes. But they also introduced the public a few years before that. That was a long time ago. That, that was... didn't quite work out so well. No, I wasn't there yeah. for that time. That was early 2000s. That you were. Nope. Oh, you're right. Before my time. So for you, wow, you're young. Oh, interesting. (laughs) He was still. Yeah. Anyway, so this hasn't, and then we've heard a lot from the industry about the fact that it hasn't. It's it's a very different feel now that there are attendees and con goers attending, and not just industry. Do you want? What do you? What are your opinions about that? Uh, I, I. It's hard to say because I think. The industry is interesting the so fact that it does allow for people to kind of enjoy a con like E3 without being um, media or a buyer, et cetera, et cetera. But the problem with um, E3 is because it's designed for industry first, public second, 
public always are kind of left out in the cold on things to do. They have to find excuses for people. They have to uh, find excuses for people to kind of fit in there. And it never really connects as a real conference and more as a trade show that allows public and not really a conference that allows for people to really enjoy themselves. So it, it's, it's kind of a weird space right now. It's still finding itself. I think it, it does have the chance to become a really interesting event that can bring in industry and public alike. But right now it's just not quite there yet. What do you think, Jordan? Um, I agree. Like, is that you're like you you kind of nailed it on the head, and I think uh, it was something like similar that that I experienced when we went to Migs the first time. Like, yeah, yeah. you're sort of expecting uh, a certain like like having gone to you know cons that are more tailored to like the public and mm-hmm. and being open to like like you know more exciting and fun things like you're kind of expecting a certain thing and then when you realize it's more like trade show oriented you're kind of like oh okay this is this is a little bit a little bit more boring than i than i assumed it would be not that it's really a bad thing because it's necessary but you know e3 is sort of in that weird space where like it needs to it needs to find a way to be like interesting for people because right now it kind of isn't Um, i mean like I, i come back to the fact i did an article about this after e3 ended um how everyone wanted to see cyberpunk even though it was an industry only thing so you had all this public that were lining up to see an industry only demo and and the pr people as good as they were trying to make sure that everyone was getting seen etc but they were kept kept having to come out and say hey guys you're gonna have to leave you're not getting into this demo and people would not leave and then you had the problem where like i was in my demo uh kojima was also seeing uh, cyberpunk and as he's leaving... Oh, every, that guy. Yeah. You know, nobody, Kojima. Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. It's, it's Kojima. Kojima. Yeah. He, was, he, he was swarmed by all the public as he's walking out. And it made it so bad that the people at um, CD Projekt Red were trying to talk to him, just kind of ask him a few questions, give him, a, give him a gift and all that other stuff. And because the amount of people, he had to kind of say no and kind of re- quickly run out of there, meaning that possible deal, that chance to make a connection was lost because the public were trying to made a safety hazard. They were making it so it was really hard to get down that hallway and they were making it so it wasn't quite as um, easy to kind of conduct business as it could have been without them. So are you saying that because of that, the introduction of the public to this kind of industry focused events where it was easier to just casually make those uh, business to business deals Mm without having to worry about running into fans and things like that. Right, right. Uh, not you per se. Do you have a lot of fans? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> I assume not. <laughs> but I, say people. Yeah. Well, like, well, even in like industry professionals who've been around like, like hmm. Kojima, it makes it very difficult. So what do you think can be done to, if, if this is the progression, because let's be honest here. Um, I want to look at this from the developer standpoint, mm-hmm. like, the reason why developers go to like all the PAXs is so that they can get their games in the hands of the public and get that so, so important buzz that's happening yeah, yeah. by word of mouth and building their community strength and getting that valuable playtesting um, in a giant, very demanding scenario because it's not only just very technically demanding on like the software mm-hmm. itself, but it's also going through so many different hands with so many different perspectives and different levels of understanding that they're getting a lot of feedback that 
90% of it goes into the rest of the development of the game. Right, right, yeah. Um, so having that at E3 where there are so many more developers and so much more access and it is such a entirely fo- gaming-focused event mm-hmm. and game developer-focused event is so important. So... But they also still need that time to do that B2B and yeah. not have to worry about the crowds and the people and having to discuss. And this year, um, they started the public in later. So they weren't last year. They were coming in with us at, you know, 10 o'clock. Mm-hmm. And we were all allowed on the floor this year. They started from two and went till seven, which is hard on developers and anyone right, right, yeah. on the floor because it's such it was a, a long it was day. Late days, yeah. Oh, man, it was a late day. But anyway, what what do you think could be done to alleviate this? I mean, you could do what Gamescom does, where you have a business area where the the people that want to make a B2B kind of business to business, who anyone doesn't know, um, connections, they do it there. The, the public are not allowed in, but it does allow you also to have that floor space that you can show off to the public. You can give them a chance to see your game before anyone else. You just have to have that separation to allow different aspects of an industry to function if you try to make it all in one place something's going to suffer either the public's not going to have a good time or business is not going to be able to do done in a in the easy and conducive manner to what they're trying to do yeah yeah i agree but i think i'm kind of on um the opposite side where i kind of i think that like at least with maybe specifically e3 um i think these cons should be more like um public focused well because i kind of look at um and i i don't know if this is like a seemingly extreme example but i kind of look at nintendo and their sort of like detachment from e3 like they don't go there in the same way that other people well no no like they are they they, totally have a booth there they totally run like any other thing but that's what i'm saying nice booths too that's what I'm saying is that they go there with games on the floor so people can try them out and that's it. They don't go there like in in the sort of same like business capacity yeah, as do. some of these oh, other people. No. Well, yeah, I mean, by having, they do. They do. Sorry, they very just, much do. But also by having games on the floor, that is a business capacity, right? You, you get that, yeah, that's true. That's true. People to play your but games. Jordan, just what you probably don't see because um, I don't think you've been to an E3 with us yet, right? No, I have not. Okay, so – what you probably won't be able to see from home uh, is that next to the booth, well, depending on how their booths are set up in various years, they always have the games on the floor and they have a nice big setup for that. So like lots of fans can get their hands on it, but they also have a separate booth away from that area that's completely closed off with an upper mm-hmm. and lower level. And that's where all their business meetings take place. Okay. Yeah. So they do, they are there for business development. Like, um, they are there to talk to uh, developer indie developers that want to get their games on their plat- on certain platforms. Mm-hmm. Uh, this year was huge for that BDB for those indie developers because so many people want to get their game on Switch because mm-hmm. it's such a great indie platform. Um, so there was a lot of that development happening. Um, there was also distribution that we- they talk about. Um, I don't think a lot of like executive nintendo business goes on there i think it's more no they do for they, they, they do have uh, big business meetings um, yeah they have business meetings but i think it's more for the developers than anything else it, it, and it, and media obviously yeah. for coverage and and interviews and things like that um and, I mean, and closed door behind closed door demos yeah, and I mean, things Reggie have, so. does go there and kind of meet with like potential business partners and all that stuff they do yeah. like uh best as i said like it is a trade show so they work out like um 
deals to make sure they can sell products. So yeah. best, they'll meet with Best Buy and make sure that they're getting the right allotments and all of the junk. Now, what's really interesting about this, though, is that other than in, in North America, that is, other than GDC, E3 is the only place that they actually do that kind of... No, there's a lot. There's no, a... in that capacity. Because they're always at PAX. They're always at... I mean, uh, like there's DICE. Co- there is... Um... Uh, what is the other one? There's, there's a few uh, major cons that are based on business development. It's just E3 is the big one that brings everyone from across the borders. Dice is more for like North American, European uh, media, not mm. media, um, uh, yeah, yeah, publishers and stuff. Well, what I'm trying to say is that the fact that on these more industry focused cons, they are always there in a different capacity. Yeah, that's true. Like when you see Nintendo at PAX, you very rarely see Nintendo on their own in their own booth. Yeah, it's true. They always kind of partner up with other companies that are doing things. And I mean, last year, pack, Nintendo did have its own area. I Yeah, they, they had a small something. Because they also have an area at, like, they, they have one at Fan Expo when they do yeah. things yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean, that, fair, that's, that's a very different thing, though. Yeah, but that one's more, yeah, when they're doing those kind of, like, public, when they're yeah. doing the public They're more lines, promotional. They're yeah. promotional, whereas at oh, E3, yeah. it's totally a different situation. But so, does that make sense? Maybe maybe I'm just being cynical because like E3 is very like to me it's it's more like the from the capacity that I see it is it like you know it's a it's it's a celebration of like games that are coming out right so like you can have the business deals and no, Jordan, still have that going it's on not sorry go ahead Jordan sorry well I'm saying like you can still have like it, you know because like and this is you know to go back to like to the what I was thinking with Nintendo is that like it's not like these business deals can't happen throughout the year right like you if you had like a digital presentation and then like the way nintendo had had done with like arms and mario tennis and splatoon where throughout the up to release you have like little digital demo events where they you know will let you download the game and play it then it's sort of the same thing right you're getting the same effect people are trying your games they're getting excited about it they're they're building you're building the hype through a through a purely digital medium and you don't really need to have that you know, show floor uh, presence. I just, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm cynical in that way where it seems like it's very excessive. Well, <laughs> Jordan, the E3 itself is a con that's going to happen either way. Yeah, no. Yeah. It's more a question of, it's, E3 is not a celebration of gaming. People want to make it that, but it, all E3 is is a trade show that allows big companies, publishers, makers, and stuff to connect and sell products. That Jesus, is what I thought I was yeah. cynical. <laughs> well, that's literally what it is. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, I mean, it's all about the announcements are there for business purposes, right? The, a lot of the like these announcements that come out, their shareholders pay such close attention to this sort of stuff. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like it's not like this is like as great as it is that the fans are coming in because honestly. I look at, I, like I said, I was looking at from the developer's point of view, they're getting so much feedback for fans and the opportunity to do the business work at the same time. Mm-hmm. That's, it's very useful because honestly, a lot of these, especially smaller publishers or publishers that are out of, uh, out of North, not in North America, yeah. they will only go pick one to go to because it is extremely expensive to attend one of these conventions. Mm-hmm. So E3 is an excellent space and I am okay personally with public coming, coming in. I think yeah. they just need to reframe it. They just need to reframe it. Agreed. At the same time, though, like as, as just from like a fan perspective, someone who's who's watched a lot of E3s from that sort of lens, mm-hmm. I feel like that the journalists and stuff do a good enough job of showing things, and the presentations are all streamed and everything. 
then I wouldn't really want to like wait in line for six hours to see something that everyone else is going to see at the same time. Oh, Alex, yeah. it's it's not six hours. It's, it's, the it's full an entire day. day. If you go to E3 <laughs> and you want to see one of the big titles and you're not pressed, yeah. it's the day to see that one game. Yeah, so I mean, it's as we've been saying, it it hasn't been built for it. But I, like, yeah. I don't I don't see the point of going right now when you can when the, the online thing is so sleek and so well done and so True. many. That's what I'm you know, saying. So many publications are putting so much money into making a good E3 presentation yeah. that it's like, what's the point of waiting in line and you know I can do it from my house with some friends or whatever, or like yeah. air conditioning. I have a bathroom access. It's great. Yeah, that's true. You're very that's good. That's what point. I'm saying. And then, and then build on that, right? Like, like that's what I mean. If you want to put like, like I don't, I don't know when demos stopped being a thing, but like you could put out like, so, like everything can be done digitally. Like, so you can still be building that excitement and building that hype, and through that, that like just like getting even not even having people there on the show floor. Like investors are still seeing that like excitement's building for this product. They're they're confident in its in its sales potential. Like it's all still happening without actually needing one big place to do it all in i think that was a very successful thing that happened this year because if you look at all the conferences almost okay so ea's conference they had how many playable things that were playable that day command and conquer was playable that day um that really needed to be (laughs) it really needed to be um what else there was like two other things that were playable that day that came up from EA. Oh, they had um, Xbox had like five to ten Yarny, things. The new Yarny game. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh yeah, the Yarny were, game. That there were a lot of announcements where they're like, and you can play it right now, and it's like, oh cool. Yeah, and that, there was a, like Xbox had so many of them that you could play right now, or are coming mm-hmm. today, or look at everything that you can get on Games Pass this moment, that kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Sony, their press conference that was weird. <laughs> it was cool. It was weird. Yeah, it was very yeah. weird. It was, but uh that's a different story and um yeah the re- and like even the rest of them like nintendo has just a reputation of never announcing anything that's not coming out within mm-hmm. the next few months they always yeah. hold everything close to their chest anyway so that that doesn't count but i mean like you're right in the sense that is it's is it necessary for the players i don't think it's for like i'm saying i still think even the fact that they're adding public into it i still don't think it is for like the public it's not it's like the the addition of public is a, a excellent source of data from the publishers and the developers. So yeah, I mean that's why I'm for it. It's E3 with like featuring you know people that we're letting in. It, it, I don't think they're really changing it all that much for yeah. them. It's like oh we'll just let you into this experience, and people are going to pay for it because yeah. you know it's something that they've been watching for so long too. Like this is the other end of I guess what I'm saying, but like you know you've been watching it for so long and now you're allowed to go in. It's like going behind those doors and sort of getting to see what the press see. That that like that's also cool. Yeah. So. Well, exactly. Well, even though they get to see parts of what the press see, because there's still going to yeah, be that's... things that, um, just because one of the, see one of the other thing that kind of, I think, like having you know having been obviously before starting doing this, having been public to things, those of us who you know go to events and want to see the stuff that everything the press sees. Okay, the reality is we don't even want to see everything we get to see because <laughs> seeing a game in alpha isn't always the best experience, but it does it's so like important for mm-hmm. us to kind of be able to, you know, tell people what's happening to start, but it's also important for developers to get, you know, people who have been in the industry and have that critical understanding of gaming and what makes a good game to give that feedback with their previews and first looks kind of thing. Very true. It's unnecessary for the public to see that because 
It's not fun playing an alpha version of a game. It's really not. It's also <laughs> not, not fun to wait in line to play one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why a lot of the things you'll see on playable on the show floor, they're usually in beta at that point. Yeah, uh, beta yeah. or alpha. Yeah, beta, the, late usually, alpha, early beta. Yeah. Usually anything behind closed doors is early beta, pre-alpha, yeah. uh, tech demo. It, 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 it's really kind of a mixed bag when yeah. you're not on the show floor. But on the show floor, everything's stable. It yeah. kind of works. It works the way you want it to work. Or it's close to ending beta because usually there's like, if it's close to release, they'll want lots of, yeah, exactly. foot, they'll want you to capture footage and produce that stuff because that's what people want to see. Exactly. Four hours of gameplay. Woo woo. <laughs> but, um, so where is this, what, so what does this mean for the future then? Is this a good thing? Is it a bad thing? What I do mean, you think, I mean, guys? I think E3 is the biggest problem with it is it has it's evolved beyond the convention center it's in. It needs to find a way to make mm-hmm. the public and the um, media and industry kind of work together. Mm-hmm. But in the place they're doing it, it's it, there's no separation of the two. They need to find to separate those two, make it so there is a specific area for the media, to do, the media, the industry, and the um, developers to do their thing, but still have a show floor that you can actually get the... Uh, public to see enjoy and actually kind of write about tweet about etc yeah what do you guys think well i i personally think like it's like kind i kind of agree with brendan's point but i think it's got to be like it's it's got to be either one way or the other like it's either got to go be go back to being like a sort of a media only thing and like Mm -hmm. it is like a trade show or it needs to evolve to be like this is a public event we're gonna put on like these big uh, you know, dioramas and have cool stuff and you're going to get to come in here and see all these new games that are coming out and it's going to be this big hype fest, like, but it needs to be one thing or the other. And Alex, what do you think? I think that um, E3 is already, like, because E3 is it's already kind of spread out, like, there's a lot of different places and mm-hmm. a lot of different, you know, locations. I think that you could really steer into that and make it sort of like a festival atmosphere and then, you know, get give fans that sort of festival atmosphere and then let the the companies and the publishers sort of do their business talks and everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, sort of separating it, but also making sure that the fans get a good experience. Because, I mean, tickets aren't cheap. They sell out really quick and people are there are going are really excited. So may as well yeah. give them something good. I agree with you. Uh, that kind of leads me to my point. I honestly think that uh, events like E3 and i think even an evolution of like the paxes for example could always be the best of both worlds like we've seen how successful gamecom is every year it gets bigger and i i know from experiences that we have that we've had in the past that it is an excellent business experience and it's there's such a good separation of public fun and fandom mm-hmm. from the business side of it by complete separation of like work and play kind of aspects of it that I think E3 could easily do that. I think that the PAXs could turn into that if they need it to, because yep. now we're getting a lot of announcements during that are happening during PAXs. If we, if anything happened like this year, wasn't a good example of, of things that came that were announced before yeah. E3 in PA, at PAX East. Um, and I, I just, I, I feel like we could, we could do better mm-hmm. for both parties. Agreed. And it's we've been proven it's been proven successful. And I think uh, I think it's but I think the way things are going right now, it's happening, and it's a good move for that, and it's good for gaming. I agree with that. I'm good with that. Yeah. 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 I agree. All right. So, what do you guys think? Time for a break. Yep, we're right at the uh, almost at the uh, half hour mark. So yeah, this will be a good we- time for a break. 
we get to come back and talk about No Man's Sky. Unless we pat it out for like three minutes. We can pat it. I think we're good. Three minutes. <laughs> Cons. I could talk about Fortnite. Neat. Fortnite. Okay, you know what? No, we're gonna take a break, and we come back. We're gonna talk about No Man's Sky. Is that as good as Fortnite for you, Jordan? It's good enough. Okay, cool. All right, we'll be right back after we hear from our sponsors. The Pixels Inc. podcast is brought to you by Buns, your city network. Buns connects you to the people in your neighborhood to help you find the things you need to fuel your real life. Swap things you already have to get items you need. You can also find jobs that pay the bills, homes for rent, advice, and a place to talk about your city. Buns is available online at buns.com and on your phones via the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Thanks again to our sponsors, and uh, we're back. So, all right, guys, uh, our next topic is about free patch updates. These, when we're talking, we're not talking about these little tiny patch updates. We're talking about like big, massive patch updates that actually make the game a either a different game or qu- improve the quality of life or make the game be it a was detriment to be when it was advertised. Ah, that <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're yeah. not going to talk about DLC for this one. Uh, paid D- Sorry, no. we'll we'll talk about free DLC, but not paid DLC in this case. That's another topic which we'll yeah, probably pursue next week. So, uh, because I know we have a lot to say about that one, but I think we need to talk about the free stuff first. Let's start with the good news. So, you, uh, we're going to discuss our big patch updates. A good thing or a bad thing, it, or is there a gray area? that we can kind of like find a common ground with here mm. all right so let's start with what happened in no man's sky do you want to give us a little bit of background on why we decided to pick it this particular week jordan well uh yeah because uh last week or no was it uh was it last week or is it this yeah it was it was last uh tuesday i believe um no man's sky uh hello games put out their biggest update to the game possibly their final update to the game unless they're doing like small soft uh fixes and additions and stuff but that was the next um update which and that's was the name of the update that next. is the name of the update yeah. next and so uh it added the much touted upon the launch of the game uh multiplayer it added like character um customization which isn't really that great but that's a different story altogether um uh, they you know they added like infinite base building uh like infinite like mining so just a whole ton of content that kind mm. of puts it where it was supposed to be when it was being advertised and Sean Murray was talking about it on every chance he got mm. um so it's a really great update i've been playing it a little bit um it still doesn't fix some of the more technical problems that No Man's Sky has, but um, it does like kind of make it a game that I think um, the like people wanted to play when it came out. It makes it the game that people thought it was going to be, um, mm-hmm. and just seeing like the reaction to it, like the almost I think it's almost like forty to fifty percent of the reviews on Steam for No Man's Sky have changed from like mostly negative to like mixed now because it's almost about half and half and like positive and negative. Um, and that's like, a substantial change. That's a oh, yeah. huge. Oh, my. Change. Yeah. It's it, I think like it went in in at, at least for the like the for like the past couple of weeks it's been like the most played game on Steam. Mm-hmm. Um, like it's 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 just skyrocketed and, and you know and every 
outlet is has been putting out you know these like think pieces like oh no man's sky is back and actually funny enough and this is kind of just a little side tangent but sean murray and like the no man hello games like team have been like astounding on twitter with like the hype or like uh, hype articles again like it was yeah. just it's so well, it was so it's great one thing they know how to do is hype a game oh no i mean like they're like 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 joke tweets about like seeing all these hype articles again and they were posting like like a, a, a gif of a dog having like vietnam flashbacks i couldn't stop <laughs> laughing like i could not stop laughing like they were just on point um yeah. but anyway and so this is so this is the thing that kind of got me thinking like um like now that No Man's Sky is kind of like where it's bit like where it is mm-hmm. um, considering its launch, like what does this mean for games like in general? Like because No Man's Sky came out and mm-hmm. it sold itself kind of on a pack of lies. Um, oh, it was not the yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> You know, it wasn't what people wanted. I mean, personally, I thought it was fine when I played it. Um, but then again, my hype levels for the game were nowhere near where everyone else's was. Because I even remember Quinn was getting so hyped for this game mm-hmm. when it was like, when the first trailer came out. And I straight up said to him, like, dude, like video games just aren't capable of what this game is saying it, it wants to do. Like, it's not going to happen. Um, so, like by all accounts it should have been a failure like it's it it didn't deliver the goods like so why were people so willing to give it a second chance now granted sean murray and 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 the hello games team were really really good about continuing to stay on it like they could have very easily said you know what we messed up bad game let's just leave it and move on to the next thing but they like they they buckled down they committed and they delivered the product that that fans wanted um but you know it seems like the way that the game industry usually goes is that when these things happen you know it's not good enough you know what i mean like like well that's that's kind of like the question when brendan was throwing around this topic in our our chat that was the question that kind of came to my mind it's like it's not a matter of i'm i think i think we've come beyond the point where this is not this is the norm as opposed to anomaly mm-hmm. like weird patch updates are just kind of par for the course now when a game is announced and a game is launched i, sure. I and and i i think the question now is more when is it acceptable and when should we be well, outraged this that's is the, the case that's the, the thing so in this case I, I just i've always had the opinion for no man's sky like i i understood the hype i was never as hyped as everyone else because i was like okay that seems like a lot of things to get done in a very short timeline that they've set for themselves Mm -hmm. and i was not expecting them to completely deliver but the fact that i've seen over time that it is a goal they always wanted to achieve and at the beginning they were a small team so like we know this is a hard thing for a small team to do the fact that they constantly support it and are they released big patch after big patch that was actually delivering what they promised we didn't get it at the start but again i think it was just unrealistic at the start and yeah, I but, think anyone anyone who knows how games are made knows that that was an unrealistic promise to deliver at sure. the start. But the fact and, that and, he was consistent and communicated and happened makes it acceptable to give No Man's Sky a second chance. Yeah. At the same time, I feel like it was a problem. You know, it, it was a problem that they created. So giving yeah. them a second well, chance, I, I feel like I feel like. It, yeah. Go ahead. It's more the fact I don't know if he created it. I just don't think he's media trained enough to not stop it. Yeah, a lot of it was the fact that the 
people were saying, would it do this? And he's like, oh, maybe. And they're like, what about this? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I don't think he, but he was, was also. I mean, like, he was also kind of, like, dodge, not necessarily dodging, but, like, you know, like, because I, I look, I, I remember the, uh, the, the, you know, the, the kind of the way that the whole multiplayer question, like, changed, where, yeah. like, even on, on, like, the Colbert show, like, Colbert says, like, can you, like, play with other people and see them in the game? And he straight up says, yes, but the galaxy is so big that you it's probably like a 1% chance that'll ever happen. So like he didn't he didn't say it what like he said it would happen, but then he kind of like tried to walk it back by saying but it's but it's highly highly unlikely. Again, um, I think that it has to do with a lot of like it's the Molyneux situation where you want that to be the case and probably his design doc said that would be the thing happening. Mm-hmm. It's just they're a small team and they quickly realized they were in over the head. They couldn't get the things they were promising mm-hmm. delivered in the time frame they were looking for. I think it's also, especially when this is, and this is a thing I see a lot with a lot of indies uh, over the years. And I love the indies, especially, actually just for this, is that they get so excited about what they're making. And they have so much passion for the, the game that they're making and games in general that uh, a lot of people who, like Brendan say, said, are not as media trained as they could be, uh, are not getting the best advice they could get, or just ignoring the good advice they are getting. Mm-hmm. Like they'll go ahead and they'll just want, they just want so badly to share all the cool stuff that's going to happen, whether it's happening like at launch or like years and years down the line, because a lot of, and, and I think this experience, honestly, this is a little bit of a side tangent, but I think the experience with Hello Games and the launch of No Man's Sky and the way the patch updates are going is a really great, um uh what's the word i'm like moral experience like moral like morality yeah. yeah morality tale for a lot of um <laughs> in a lot of indie developers who are thinking of launching a game with yep. really ambitious ideas at the get-go and how they're going to communicate with that the, that with the public and with the media and and with potential publishers who'd like to pick them up or other business partners that may be picking them up, including, um, you know, um, financial backers and things like that. Like it's, it's a good experience to watch it. That is a little bit besides the point, but sorry guys. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's okay. Like I, I find it interesting. Um, when like at, like when you say like, there's that kind of ambitious like talk, because that's the thing, and I think even like you know, kind of like agree or playing with over like on Alex's side over here is that like where does ambition and kind of like dishonesty, you know, sort of like diverge? Because I I I think about um uh the whole Star Wars Battlefront two situation right, right, and. Yeah. Like, you know, because they they bungled their launch like bad and it got oh, yeah. to the point where even when they they, you know, they patched it and they said, don't worry, we're going to take all the loot box stuff out. We're going to take all the free to play the, you know, the pay to win mechanics out. We're going to do all this great stuff and it's going to we're going to give you the game you guys really wanted. By that point, it was too little too late and everyone was already like put off of it to that point. So and- is it so? Is that an example of when it's not acceptable to give a game a second chance? Well, that's and that's I, but that's what I question because it's I like don't see it's the like, big differences. Thank okay. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, there is a, there is a difference. One is a predatory move. One is inexperience. Yeah. EA was okay, yeah was going in open and knowing that what they were doing was predatory. They just thought people would eat it up because it's Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Sean Murray, I don't think was being predatory. 
I think he's just inexperienced. They made like a few small games before this. Yeah. yeah However, sure. he, you know what? So it was first announced at the Sony. Yeah, Sony. At Sony. It was Sony Publishers. Yeah, and Sony Publishers are very hands-on in terms of mm. their indies that they work with. They give them a lot of support in terms of messaging. They also give a lot of direction. They give a lot of direction. They might have said, we want multiplayer. And he was told, pitch the multiplayer concept. That's true. He didn't know how he was going to do it. Yeah. We don't know what happened behind those meetings. So I wonder just how much advice he got and whether he was ignoring it or whether he was told to talk about it, but not told how to message it. I Mm -hmm. think that's another thing, too. I mean, I mean... the fact that this update's happening and the fact that they're working on it, I think that's a good thing. But at the same time, it's a game that people bought for full price when it came out. And, you know, they expected all these things. Whether he wasn't media trained enough, he obviously mm-hmm. wasn't or not. I, I think that there's definitely... If I bought that game at launch, which I didn't, and now I hear that they're doing this update, you know, it's 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 very much too little, too late. But if you're You'd someone rightly who's never be upset. Played, yeah, for sure. But if you're someone yeah. who's never played the game, you can pick up No Man's Sky in Canada for fourteen ninety nine, and you get... You know that 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 that's a very good bang for your buck, all things yeah. considered. But I think mm-hmm. that the journey does matter as much yeah, as it was. Absolutely, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. And that's and that's I, like, what I was kind of uh, saying too. Sorry to cut you off there, Alex. No, um, but I but I you know I'm, I'm I, it's it's sort of a point that you like that you were bringing up. Like that I, I whether whether he was not media trained enough or like Hello Games just wasn't ready. Like it it feels like there was a certain level of dishonesty at play. So like whether it was uh you know EA and like uh, Battlefront two like being like like insidious. Or someone saying certain things just because he thought like he was excited for the game and and he was like happy to bring it out. Like you still kind of misled people. And now, like Alex said, like you know, guys like me who who bought it at launch, like yeah, sure. Now I feel like I've got a game, even though when I when I started playing and I was like, yeah, this is fine. Like I, I I wasn't like I didn't regret my purchase, but like it's only like now that I feel like I mm. am finally like getting like the full price of what I paid for and knowing that, yeah, like you can pick this game up now in a bargain bin and mm-hmm. you're going to get the same level of content. Like, yeah, that's a little disheartening in, in a way. Like, you know, you, like, like you only get one chance at a first impression. Right. But and Jordan, like, what, what would your argument be then for Fortnite for any beta or any kind of early access game? Yeah, I think, okay. I don't know if we can talk about early access in the same. Yeah, no, early access isn't Why? really the same. Early though. access games are selling for full price mm-hmm. and they're yeah. selling on a promise of things they'll have. And that mm-hmm. promise might never be delivered. Yeah. But that's, that's but, then, yeah, you know, but, but then, but that also, then, you know, but that's a slippery Somehow, slope because it, then it's like, why kickstart a game ever again? Yeah. That's same oh, basic man. thing. I mean, if, Kickstarter, if, if, yeah. But my point is if no man's sky had launched on Kickstarter and still these promises, people mm-hmm. wouldn't be so as upset. They're like, Oh, that's coming in like update 27. Yeah. I would, yeah. I would argue, I would argue that, with 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 early access there's like there's a general consensus there you're saying look if you pay for this now you're helping us give giving us the ability to put stuff in the game whereas yeah. with the you know no man's sky situation it was hey this is our finished product purchase it and you're like wait a minute there isn't half yeah. of the stuff you said was going to be in here in but, here like but jordan, but jordan that's a slippery slope because 
that means more and more publishers is going to do early access because that means people are giving them a, a well a, uh, i can forgive it okay i'm, I'm going to go back to the indie side again i can forgive it for indies yeah exactly they need the funding mm-hmm. yeah. well, i don't forgive it for big publishers it's but yeah. no, uh, uh, hello games is like 14 people yeah, that's why I said I could forgive it for indies. Yeah. I like yeah. they need the money to continue making it, yeah. and they need to make sure that they can do it without having to rely on financial backers because that's again another issue for yeah. a lot of like companies sure. and the idea of being able to realize their vision. Yeah. Um, I am also of two minds where an early access game shouldn't cost a lot of money. Like, they, but they cost like. A, but that's what I'm saying. Sometimes I, they do. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do. It and depends sometimes on the publisher. Sometimes they're free. Like, I, because it's also getting a lot of free feedback. Yeah, yeah. Like we were talking mm-hmm. about with the conventions earlier, and this is how we can tie the two ideas together. Like, Ooh. they're getting valuable, valuable stats and data from the players and free QA testing. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's why I think I don't think it should ever cost a lot of money. And same thing with a with Kickstarter. I can forgive a little bit more because. You're outright saying, I need this money to make this game mm-hmm. happen. Mm-hmm. But then we can get into the whole Star Citizen thing. And well, Mighty like, Number no. 9. Oh, yeah. Mighty yeah. Number yeah. 9. Cool. But, oh, yeah. I mean, Kickstarter is going to have to be I, a separate conversation, too. Yeah. I think, it's different. I think we can go deeper though. there. Yeah. Sorry, Again, Alex. I think go what, ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. I think with No Man's Sky, it's different because it was showing off at the Sony you know, press conference, right? It was showing up sure. backed by Sony, which is not your Kickstarter you know, guy who's asking for money. No. But they had Sony's money behind it. Yeah. No, I don't know. We don't know how the publishing deal happened. It could have just yeah. been they promote it, and that's the what they're giving. For sure. It might have been they gave some financial backing with caveat. There's a lot of things Sony does for marketing or yeah. for publishing that could mean one thing or another. Like it wasn't published on the PC by Sony; it was published by themselves. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it really it, it, it's hard to judge them. Like I don't give Sean Murray a pass here. I think no, no, no. he was dishonest. Mm-hmm. Yep. But to give a game another chance is a different thing. You're, you're well, punishing I think, one... But I think that's the conversation we're having yeah. right now. Yeah. I mean, like, Do we give it a chance? Like, we can bring Warframe up in this conversation. Yeah. It lives off of its patches. Exactly. Like, sure. it's entirely patches. And then we can well, also talk about H1Z1, which was entirely patches and failed. Well, here's but, the know. thing. I, I want to mention one more point, though. Yep. When you're looking at a yep. game, you can't judge one person's failures for the entire studio's failures. Okay, that's fair too. That's fair. I mean, like, yeah. Sean I don't Murray, think that has to yeah. do like, he might have went back to the office and everyone in his office yelled at him for being a yeah. dumbass. What were you saying? It's the team, though, because there's less people. You know, yeah. there, there is yeah. that that sort of but thing. There but are, I, like, everyone in the team is trying to do the best they can. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Look at any of the Molyneux games or any of the Fable games. Molyneux went out there talking about how like the single tree you plant will change as you go forward in time. Oh, like Jesus. none of that stuff happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, like, people get it. Developers be it indie developers or AAA developers love the medium they're working in. Yeah. And they, yeah, for sure. and the things they're saying, they kind of want to happen. Yeah. And I've heard from people mm-hmm. that work at, um, used to work at Lionhead and Molyneux would say stuff. They're like, can we, can we do that? I, I don't actually know if we can do that. <laughs> and he'd go back and like, make this happen. We don't know how to do that. <laughs> Just sweating during the presentation. Yeah. Like, oh shit, stop talking. Yeah. <laughs> I think but, that yeah, happens I mean, in a lot of studios. You know, it's Go ahead. Just the, the last thing, I think, you know, the communication was a big issue. And I think that you're going through the whole thing. It's at the Sony press conference. You're saying all these things. And, you know, maybe, you, you, you know, you don't have the training and people are asking yeah. you questions and you're excited about it. But I, I, it doesn't give it a pass at all. I, I, definitely. Yeah. And I think that okay, I, it's. I think well, I want to go back. But I do think that it's good that they're still working. 
So it's like, yeah. sorry, go away. Go ahead, Lisa. No, I was going to say, I think an acceptable way that big patches should happen, like when it's really, when it's undeniably and you can't argue that it's acceptable, is what's happening with Stardew Valley right now. Because yep. right now they're in beta for their multiplayer. This was never promised oh, yeah. at the beginning. All that was de- promised at the beginning was delivered. And now uh, Concerned Ape has been going on and on, like improving the patches, adding new storylines, like, but every patch that he's done has been a big thing and now at with the addition of this like this is the part like this is how a patch should work yeah should be something i mean like even if it's a matter of just don't say it before launch yeah like this is something that should just happen gradually to support the people that love to play the games that way we don't need 20 million sequels like i could endlessly play one game over and over and over again if i was get if it was getting supported by the development team the entire time yeah yeah so whereas and that's a huge difference like the only difference was Concerned Ape didn't say it before launch. Yeah, I mean, sure. if, if, literally, literally, guy, if they if released a Concerned, finished product. Yeah. If, well, no, according to what he had in his mind, I mean, like I, he had on paper, like what he would be yeah. able to deliver. Mm-hmm. We don't know that. We don't know that he wanted to do multiplayer at launch. Yeah. I mean, we don't. Right? We it's also true. don't know. Like, no, uh, no Man's Sky when it launched was playable. It worked. Yeah. It just wasn't yeah. what wow. people expected. <laughs> Play yeah, the very first open world survival. It was the very first yeah. open world survival, wasn't it? Like, it was. It was fine. Yeah. Like it wasn't a bad game. It was. I I played it for a few hours and enjoyed it. It was. Fun. I just. Yeah. It, I didn't see the multi. I didn't. I don't care about the multiplayer. So I don't really care about that. The base it's, building yeah. was never really promised. It's just the thing that made the game yeah. better because of it. Because you're like, oh, mm-hmm. these planets don't really matter. Anything I do here doesn't matter. It just matter. felt like something once you start. Like once you jumped in, the first thing I'm like, huh? I want to call. Like this is my planet. So what do I do mm-hmm. here? I just harvest things and I go to my ship. I guess my ship is my base. I want a base though. I want to yeah. live in yeah. I want to live in the planet. This is something I thought of at the time, not at like yeah. I wasn't expecting it to go in. And- but not even but not even in terms of like like general content, like even too. Like and we're kind of belaboring the point here, but like, you know, they were they were going on saying like, you know, different like just like play styles, like like the way you could be like a trader or a pirate, or you could like, you know, you could go through the whole game and never have to land on a single planet. Like none of that was true. Like you could only yeah. really play the game one way. Oh, yeah. um, and in the end, yeah. of, in the center of the universe was boring as hell and didn't really oh, do yeah. anything. Well, yeah. And, yeah. and here's okay. Sorry, let go. Because <laughs> I want to, I want to move on to one other point. Okay. Yeah, I, I think we can all agree that the issue with No Man's Sky was not the game, and it was definitely the the way that the game was presented. Right? It, it yeah. it's mm-hmm. you know it it worked in in what it did, but it wasn't what was expected. So yeah, yeah. agreed. Yeah. Okay, so, so Jim, I want to uh, yes, I, I want to move on to because the, because there was a point there was something that actually Brendan said that I actually was like thinking about and concerned about because he's that uh, you know th- um like it's a slip I I agree it's a slippery slope that like you know publishers uh, can kind of release games unfinished and then just release big patches later and so but that I, is something that I think No Man's Sky um hopefully doesn't that's what worries me is that it sets sort of a dangerous precedent because people are 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 sort of showering this game with a lot of praise now because a year or two after the fact they've finally patched this game to a point where it's like got enough content to be worth the price it was asking for at least at launch Mm -hmm. so you know what's to stop any other publisher from saying and and we've seen this before like even like final fantasy 15 was kind of like like you know it got kind of 
I think it's oh, fair yeah. to say it got kind of lax with content after about oh, the yeah. halfway mark. Um, and Square Enix went in afterwards and patched it, so it, like it was a little bit more like cohesive with its narrative and everything like that. So, you uh, know. Then, I I don't think okay. So here's my argument to that. I don't think No Man's Sky would and the success of this la- latest patch and how it's improved for players is going to be the reason why publishers are going to release games unfinished. I think the advent of the DLC age is the reason why. And that happened long before No Man's Sky. Yeah. It was already, like, president, precedents were already set um, when DLC was introduced as a viable thing that people would actually spend money on for beloved franchises. Well before that. So I don't think that this is going to change much of that. I think this is a result of that more than anything. I, mean, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, honestly, this is, I, I agree, it's twofold. I think this is a result of that. But it's also a testament that indie studios that care about their game will try to make it right for the public. Yeah, but we're talking. I think Jordan's not really worried about the indie studio no. at this point. He's talking no, no. more about the AAA. And I know. I, I agree. Yeah. With that. I mean, yeah. I think that has always been the case. We've all, and it's it's more the fact that people kind of allowed the Noni and Sky thing to happen because they kind of assumed, oh, it's just another one of these type of games that it isn't finished. Okay, it's one of that. Like. Final Fantasy fourteen, they relaunched as Realm Reborn. Final Set of fifteen, they um, left a lot of stuff out that was that made sense that it should have been there. Then you even had major releases like Grand Theft Auto five. They completely changed that game after launch, basically to be an online game. Like no one talks about the single player. Okay, well, be. I can go into Final Fantasy fourteen a little bit more. Why they relaunched it as Realm Reborn? They actually did change oh, yeah, the did. directors and everything. Like they realized. See, it's a I, okay. That I think that's a different argument altogether because when you're talking about a studio that launched a game and it presented what was promised, but it wasn't as good as what people had in their mind. Like it did deliver what was expected. Yeah. It just I, wasn't holding up basically my, my point is- and then going back and reassessing and making that dramatic change because the fact that it, the fact remains that people were already playing it and they're like and the the people that were playing it were like we want you to do this so they're like okay we'll do it for you but my point is this is not like what no man's sky did is not new no massive mega patches have been a thing for the last the last console generation it's more the fact that it's become more and more normal like the game you buy now might completely change come fall. Like that just is a thing that yeah. might happen. Yeah. I think it's, it's, it's an, an unfortunate thing, but I think that's what we have to expect at this point. Yeah. And yeah, but I mean, it, it's, but more importantly, it's interesting to see it in a game that isn't, doesn't have microtransactions. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Fortnite reinvented itself mm-hmm. with Fortnite battle Royale. And now it's really hard to find the original Fortnite, but yep. a game that no one else was buying, no Man's Sky. It was just sitting there dormant, and the studio was still pushing ahead to try to make that game what they promised. And that's an interesting yeah. thing that is not... It's its a, a non-cynical thing in the industry that doesn't happen very often. Well, d- d- sure. ex- so many games will do it for their fans, though. Yeah. I mean, like, we could really go into a deep dive with H1Z1 here, because, yeah. like, they changed it because that's how people were playing the game. So yeah. they're like, let's just make the game the way it is. And unfortunately... Money wise, that just not financially, that did not make a lot of sense. I mean, you also, yeah. I mean, you also have to look at um, Zaviant and the Culling and what they did with that, where they originally launched the game, people liked the original game, then they patched it to be more like, uh, more like PUBG, then they just killed that game, launched a PUBG clone, then they killed that game, <laughs> and then and then relaunched the original uh... thing they first launched originally. Didn't they just relaunch? Didn't they just the launch the culling too, and totally stop support on the culling? 
No, yeah, that's what they did. Yeah. But they stopped because of Burton Calling like months ago. Yeah, I know. But then immediately after, they launched the Calling 2 and it was like exactly like the Calling, no, the last the iteration. Is, it was never like the Calling. The Calling 2 was like PUBG if PUBG was made by a five-year-old. I mean, that's yeah. me. But <laughs> that's not me saying it. That's what many people have said. And then the Calling... Sure, Brendan, sure. And then the studio said basically, okay, the original Calling that launched like two years ago now that was what people liked. We'll go back to that original version. Yeah. So they basically, they launched the original, uh, like a, a, a classic server and launched that thing just to make it so people, the thing they originally enjoyed is back now because they kept patching yeah. the game to make it not like what people like. So I mean, this, this, this mega patch thing goes both ways. Sometimes you make a game people love mm -hmm. and they make it better. And then sometimes you take away the thing that people love about a game. Yeah. And like a For sure. wow is an example. With uh, Cataclysm, the classic WoW is now no longer playable. And mm -hmm. people still want to play that classic WoW. So it, well, that's it, why they're releasing it as WoW Classic. Yeah, I know. That's the point. And, they're, you know, and see, that's... Oh, well, that's I think, didn't they add that in the as part of the battle chest? Something like that. I don't know. Uh, I don't play enough WoW. We, need, we have a WoW expert that's not here, so we'll yeah. ask him at some point. <laughs> uh, yeah. But my point is, mega patches aren't new. I yeah. wish... What about Warframe? Yeah, Warframe just does a, does a mega patch every few weeks. <laughs> they do. They do so many patches. Well, so what, is that acceptable? I, well, I mean, it's a it's a free to play yeah. game, so sure. So it's, yeah, but it's, I, it's, I don't know if they're mega patches though. They're really like just like regular patches, like until like you know it does like a, an actual like content big update. event yeah. or like a big like content update where like that's like a more like mega sized patch. Like, but if yeah, yeah if you have like a free to play game, same in the same vein as Fortnite, like every month it's a new like sort of like soft patch where they're yeah. adding like a new themed season and like stuff like that. But like yeah. to for a game like No Man's Sky that. Like, like they they basically added an entire game to this, it's, and it's yeah, kind yeah. of I think it's 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 definitely different too from most games with that like that you know with with DLC extras that add like small story missions or small mm -hmm. like uh you know uh extra like you know campaign things that were really like like they were they were they were significant but they were definitely not the same size as what the actual game was like mm -hmm. this is sure. this is this is a thing that's like it's it's really yeah like the size of an entire game so i guess what's worrying to me um is that 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 whole idea that like you know people who like like with like like hello games who in earnest wanted to make the thing that they wanted to make and and kept on it and delivered to to their fans the thing that they wanted and they, they were promised you know so, similar cynical uh publishers and, and you know could, could do the same thing mm -hmm. they could release a game that's broken that's missing a ton of content that because they you know they they could you know release a patch later on just because they yeah. rushed to get it out the door and try to make as much money as possible and 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 hide behind that statement like oh you know we're we're adding this to because we're committed to our fans and we want to make this the same way and it's it's the mm -hmm. same thing that you saw with ea and, and the whole battlefront thing they 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 put the 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 loot box stuff in there because you know that was for player choice and all this other bs and then when they took it all out that was because they were committed to giving their fans the best possible experience so like it's it's it sets a weird precedent i think um I, yeah, and again and I, mean, I think oh go ahead alex i i think that it really comes down to you know viewers and uh, buyers have to really uh, think about games before they buy them and i think that mm. you know the games media has a responsibility to sort of you know you see that game you cover like with battlefront mm. it got so much coverage 
because of its DLC stuff and it, it, it its loot boxes and that I, it ended up changing it. I think I because like it did change. It actually major... affected sales, yeah, so true. that was a thing. Yeah. And I mean, even with No Man's Sky, like right away when it came out, it was like this is not the game that was promised. And I think that it's it's a responsibility for us as you know game journalists and everything to sort of have those games and not let them get a free pass and you yeah. know, make sure they do the changes and everything. Well, no. yeah. Yeah. And I think I think it's a, another thing we absolutely have to bring up is games that are released episodically. At least as much as I want to say about this, and I I, I think it's that's the only case where you can be guaranteed that. <laughs> You know what's coming, like you know yeah. they're just they've got one episode ready and then they have another one. I think that's a start. I, I I mean, I don't recommend it, but I think for some games and some publishers, uh, it's a smart way to kind of actually achieve the goals that they're trying to set up for themselves. But I guess I think that's another conversation yeah. altogether. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, final thoughts, anybody? Everybody, Brendan, final uh, thoughts. I mean, I think I've made my final thoughts. I think. I, I hope this isn't a trend, mm-hmm. but I'm also happy that the people at Hello Games took it upon themselves using their own studio's money to make this a thing. Yeah. And yes, they found another yeah. publishing deal for the Xbox One edition. That probably paid, covered some of the costs, but they are not making a huge profit by this update. They did this for the fans, and it's a testament to the studio actually caring about the product they made, and that's a good sign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How about you, Jordan? I think, yeah. I think I'd be interested to see, because I, I kind of just thought about it now um whilst looking at twitter um how this plays out for sea of thieves because yes. thieves, sea of thieves had a very similar situation going on so um yeah. if this plays out the same way i guess we'll have to see because rare isn't exactly an indie company nor no. is like the microsoft owned side of it uh, at, yeah. like, at all the same so if it plays out the same way then i think maybe we might be in for a, uh some turbulent maybe like cynical turbulent seas, maybe yes <laughs> it's exactly <laughs> waters guys I think we're um, also waiting for the patch but... where we can actually see the kraken's body because that yeah. still hasn't happened it, it doesn't but... have a body act I will. I will continue to hold out hope that that this is that this is the exception and not the rule. Yeah, we'll find yeah. out soon enough. Alex, what's your final yep. thought? I think the No Man's Sky whole uh, story has been a wild ride and kind of cynical at times, but I do think that them doing this update at the end, it it is kind of a nice ending to a story that is not a great story. Yeah, yeah that's overall, fair. I think. Yeah, yeah. I think going back to. It, it is because of a precedent that has already been set within the industry to seek like this is an example of where I am happy that they are Hello Games is getting their second chance. Um, they did commit to actually realizing their vision and supporting a game that so many people did actually support them on. Mm-hmm. And they are starting to finally see the benefit of that. Um, also, I I think it's a it's a warning sign for new developers and new publishers and yeah. young publishers. Don't overpromise. To, don't overpromise ever. Yeah. Um, and and uh, but I don't think this is something that we're going to see less of. No, no one hundred percent. We're going to see more of this. We're going to only see more of this. Yeah, I right. mean, it's yeah. go ahead. Yeah. I mean, it's it's handled well in small things. Like, I, I think Overwatch does a good job. It's not really big updates, but, you know, you bring characters in. Yeah. You don't pay any more with mm-hmm. that. I think that there is room for these constant updates, yeah. but I think that it is definitely, you know, dangerous waters to tread. I agree. Yeah. But, but the constant update things, uh, too, I think plays more into the, uh, like, the games, of ser- games as service model that, like, Overwatch and Fortnite and these games kind of have. But, again, that's, that's a topic for a whole other podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think we're... Uh... <laughs> 
yeah, I think I think we're we're gonna end it there because we've gone on pretty long already. And um, yeah, thanks guys for talking. It was great. Hey, thanks no for the discussion. It was fun. Yeah, I and, like the uh, new format. It really works. It reminds me of another podcast we did. Yeah, a more effective version of it. Anyway, hey. thanks. <laughs> thanks no, no pioneer ever just got on the Oregon Trail. Oh, this, they didn't oh, just got to the Oregon. Update? This is the big patch update of coffee and yeah, cartridge. This is the big mega wow. patch update. I'm so happy to be part of the be- mega patch. Mega patch. We stayed well, on it and we delivered a product that we finally wanted to make. It, it really yeah, is, it really, it's in service to our fans. Didn't, didn't deliver what it was promised at the beginning, but I think we're getting there. I think by point, patch 3.0, we'll be fine. All right. <laughs> anyway, thank you everyone for listening. And if you like what you hear, or you want to know more about the things that we talked about, please visit us at cgmagonline.com. You can like and subscribe to our podcast on Bun Podcast Network or uh, Apple iTunes or any of your favorite podcast apps. You can follow us on Facebook at CG Magazine. You can follow us at Instagram at CG Mag Online. And you can follow us on Twitter at CG Mag Online. Brendan, what's your Twitter? Bfry26. And Jordan, what's yours? At Ninja Jordan underscore. And Alex, what's yours? At Axe Hansiuk. And I'm at Lisa Awesome with no E's. Um, you can catch past episodes of Pixels Link on YouTube, so subscribe to our channel for that and some great videos and a bunch of other stuff because we have a bunch of other stuff. We have some great interviews too, so there's some fun stuff there. Anyway, I digress. Thanks again to our sponsors and uh, for helping us make this podcast go. And for everyone from everyone here at CG Magazine, have a great weekend.